Welcome to Behavior Babes Podcast, presented by me, Dr. Amanda Kelly. Functional behavior assessment is generally considered to be a problem-solving process to address behaviors of concern, and we're looking to identify why a behavior is happening. Functional behavior assessments look beyond diagnostic labels such as autism or Down syndrome or ADHD, um, or even the overt topography, just the way a behavior looks. And this is in order to obtain information that can be used to maximize the effectiveness and the efficiency of the behavioral supports that we have. A central reason for conducting the assessment is to obtain the information about where the challenging behavior is occurring in order to determine why it is happening. By understanding relationships between the environment and challenging behaviors, the assumptions that we can develop plans of behavioral support that are going to be effective, that are going to work. Behavior plans that are based on a functional behavior assessment will be more effective and efficient, and they will produce broader change in the lifestyle of the individual with problem behaviors. Not only is it like the right thing to do, it's also the law. Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, or IDEA, is a federal law in the United States that governs how states and public agencies provide early intervention, special education, and these related services to children who have disabilities. IDEA addresses the educational needs of children with disabilities from birth to age 21. And in the IDEA, which became law in 1975, having been amended in 2004, it says determining whether a child needs positive behavior interventions and supports is an individual determination made by each child's IEP team. However, it goes on to say that the use of positive behavioral interventions and supports must be considered in the case of a child whose behavior impedes his or her learning or that of others. As each state has different expectations and interpretations of situations that warrant functional behavior assessments and who can do them, you as an individual are encouraged to research the rules and regulations that are specified by your specific state department of education or other appropriate agency. If you have an ABH state chapter, totally check with them. There are some components of functional behavior assessments that are key to every um, report that is complete or every evaluation that's conducted. A functional behavior assessment is complete when three main outcomes have been achieved. There's observable, measurable, and operationally clearly defined behaviors of concern. Remember, we must be able to observe it and measure it so we know if we are having an impact on it, if we're able to change it. There needs to be an identification of the events and situations that will predict when the target behavior is more or less likely to occur. For example, the behavior is less likely to occur during math when they can work on an independent preferred activity. The behavior is more likely to occur during unstructured transition times in the hallway. That would be an example of those um, summary statements and predictive statements. And then, of course, identification of the functions the behaviors appear to serve, as well as matched replacement behaviors. So a key difference between traditional behavior modification, which look to suppress behaviors, 
behavior analysis has really got to focus this on the function, the reason why it's occurring. And then we will look to replace, to build in the skill deficit. So yes, while we still want certain behaviors to decrease, there's such an emphasis on what behaviors need to increase, what needs to be acquired for that learner to become more independent. Functional behavior assessments should also include written consent from a parent and guardian about the explicit procedures, remembering all of the components of consent, capacity, full information, and being aware that it's voluntary and that it can be revoked at any time. There should be a review of pertinent records and reports as well as interviews with the client when possible and caretakers. That includes teachers or family members, anybody who has relevant information. Collection of direct observation data, which supports your summary statements. That might be um, anecdotal ABC data. That could be data that is tallied as a frequency count during the observations. And making sure that the observations also include social situations, because we're looking at addressing all areas of deficit that are associated with uh, a particular um, diagnosis disorder or just a combination of behaviors that are presenting as an individual concern for that um, that that learner. We want to have development of summary statements that describe explicitly the behaviors, the type of situation in which they occur, and then what's likely maintaining them so that we know how to adjust or move around those variables. Recommendations always need to be evidence-based, rooted in the research, and be able to be tied back to the research when asked. Interventions and incentives must be related to the functions of behavior. That is the purpose of determining the function. And of course, uh, behavior analysts are obligated to um, always exhaust really positive interventions before any aversive or punitive procedure should even be considered. Make sure that you have a signature of the individual who completed the report. While it might be a team process, um, it really should be overseen by a person who has the appropriate qualifications. You can also follow um, on Behavior Babe a checklist that goes into certain sections such as reason for referral, um, indirect assessment tools, direct uh, assessment questions, considerations for communication, a risk assessment or crisis plan when warranted, um, and then some considerations for recommendations, professionalism, and then really just resources for more information. To get that, you can go to www.behaviorbabe.com. 